Welcome to Mystical Motherhood's podcast, season three. This is Pritam Atma, the author of both Fertile and Mystical Motherhood, which are available on my website, Mystical Motherhood, and available on Amazon. Today's guest is going to give birth in a birthing center in the UK, and she was planning a home birth, and so she has to switch her mindset within the next four to six weeks and prepare for this. So I talk about some basic yogic practices to prepare for birth, some stress relieving things you can do for any time at all, and also how to handle a postpartum in a really, really conscious way. I speak about the 40 days postpartum equaling 40 years of your health and life and how significant this period of time is to secure the first chakra of the child. If you are pregnant or giving birth or a mother at this period of time, it is so vital to remain stress-free for your family and mystical motherhood and all the work I put out there is all about changing the frequency of the mother so that she can be a better human being and change the children she brings into this world. Either if you're not pregnant, all the practices available on my website, www.mysticalmotherhood.com. There are so many meditations available and you can write into me at mysticalmotherhood at gmail.com and I will send you meditations. If you'd like to work with me privately, you need a healing, you need a reading, you need guidance, you're ready to consciously conceive, you're ready to change your entire life, reach out to me. I help people all over the world going through the changes that this planet is going through, which is a massive heart opening and various timelines are converging. And so we're here to create a new reality now. And part of that new reality is creating a new type of family. And you will learn a lot through my work and hopefully a lot through this podcast of, of pregnancy and focusing on the postpartum. Thanks so much. How are you? I'm good. Tell me, let's jump right in. What's going on in London or in your area? Where are you based? So I'm so I'm in Kent, which is just it's outside of London. It's about forty five minutes on the train, um, maybe like an hour or so's drive, and it's peace, it's peaceful. It's quiet. It's like no no one's out. No planes are in the sky. No trains are running. No cars are on the road. <laughs> there's, birds, there's birds everywhere. Um, the weather's been amazing. Look. So why, what are they telling you that you can't, you can't have a home birth? Oh, no, I can't have a home birth. They've suspended home birth. They've suspended home birth. So everyone who's listening, they've suspended home birth in all of UK. Um, so just in my trust at the moment, so just in the NHS trust that I'm in, I definitely know about, but there's, there's other places too in the UK where they're not allowed and they're not allowing it. So what would happen if you did it? <laughs> I did ask my midwife that. My midwife was a bit like, please don't, because um, you'd have to just get the pa- the paramedics would come out to you. You wouldn't have a midwife there. Oh, um, oh God. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, I'm not going to lie, it did cross my mind. Um, but I think for safety reasons. It's just, it's yeah, I'm just asking what, what the deal is. And so yeah. they just don't want people in your home and to share the COVID virus? Yeah. Is that what they're thinking? I th- yeah, I think they're just worried about, um, obviously, in hospitals, they can control the environment so much more, whereas in people's homes, they don't know who's been in, 
what's on the surfaces, um, how the people that have been in the house around us as well. So they're they're taking temperatures now when you go into the hospital um, and being really strict about it. So in my trust, so in my area, Andy is only allowed into the hospital with me when after I'm four centimetres dilated, so in active labour. Um, but before that, he's not allowed. So you don't have to go in before you're four centimetres? No, exactly. So I'm going to try and stay at home for as long as I possibly can. Yeah, and it's your first baby. Okay. Are you okay? So, are what is the most fear you need to release right now? Mm. And why did you choose a home birth? So I chose. So I chose a home birth because I, I I didn't. I wanted as little intervention as possible. I wanted to be in my own environment. Um, I wanted to not have to leave my home and be. Um, maybe like open to like um, increases in adrenaline. Um, I wanted to keep it as calm and as like personal as possible. Um, and everything, to be honest, every course I've been on, or you know, and so over here we have like antenatal courses. I'm sure it's the same for you in, in New York. But every every course I've been on in the UK. Um, we've got a thing called Bump and Baby, which I did. I've done a hypnobirthing course. Like they all basically said how hospitals intervene so quickly these days. Um, and they were all really like pro-home birth. So, so, yeah. And so those were your best resources for choosing a home birth? Yeah, and my instincts, I think. So, like, I'm, I'm quite trustworthy in my own body. Like, I feel like I... We're women. We were born to give birth. We've been doing it for generations, more than generations. You know, like, I just feel like I could, if there's anything that I could do without without assistance, it's, it's, it's give birth. Yeah. Is part of your reason for wanting to do a home birth to do it to do it naturally? Do you, yeah. Do you aim the, for I a natural birth? I would like to do, be as natural as possible. But to be honest, I've... I've as long as baby's here safely, then I'm, and I'm safe, you know, and everyone's okay, then I'm not, I'm not worried about the, the pain relief as such. Okay. And have you called the hospital to see when they like you to come in? Because some hospitals have a policy. So when you're having contractions every five minutes, you, I mean, some hospitals that would be a policy for, and other po- hospitals have different policies. Did yeah. you ask them about that? Yes, yeah, so um, they asked. So I've actually, I've actually went, been booked in at the birthing centre. Do you have birthing centres over there? Yes. Right. Okay. So it's a bit different to the hospital. You can only go there if you're low risk. So I've had a low risk pregnancy. So um, I went there and they did an assessment on me, and I've booked in there. So instead of now calling the hospital, I called the birthing centre instead, and they said they were pretty relaxed about it. They said, "Come in." Um, they say three and ten. So if you're having three contractions in ten minutes, equal distances apart, then you go in. Um, but yeah, you just call call ahead. So every three every three minutes apart, every three to four, three minutes about. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So that would be put you in more closer to more active labor. So you want to you want a contraction to come every two to three minutes. Yeah. Um, 
to get you into active labor. Some women can't handle that level of pain, but typically women of home birth, like who prepare for a home birth, and I just did some other, you know, podcasts on this. It's like preparing for a marathon. And so like you have to prepare for that level of pain. And just so you're aware, when you, as you're progressing, seven centimeters is usually the time that it's a threshold breaker five to seven centimeters. So just so you know, like you'll know as you're progressing through labor, what I've seen with women is the beginning. It depends on every woman and also their ability to handle life in general, because as Ina McGaskin says, you birth as you, as you live, you birth as you react to life. And you, you know, and it's almost like a parent with every woman, you can see the neurotic tendencies, you can see if they're just full of trust and love there, because you go into such a vulnerable state, you also go into a different part of your brain. And Ina Mae Gaskin called it the monkey brain. And so you actually have to go into this part of the brain you never use like a primal, primal part of the brain. And so that will help you push the baby out and not lot. It's not logical. And so the positions become illogical. The, the, the sequences aren't normal. And so that's why, like, when you put somebody on an epidural, they're just lying down, but they can't get into their body to move around in the way they should. But once you're in, if you choose to do an epidural, do it after five centimeters. Okay. Don't do it early. Do it, at, at, trust me, get to five. Um, okay. Always, if you choose that you want an anesthesiologist, a lot of centers... I don't know if they do. They do epidurals in the birth center. Um, they don't do epidurals in the birth center. They just do gas and air. Okay, done. So you don't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they said unless I get unless I um have a really long labour um and I get exhausted, they would they would say well if I did, if I did find myself in that situation they'd send me to the hospital. Okay, great. Um, so then we don't have to worry about the you deciding between an epidural. But for anybody who's listening. Try to wait. I mean, everyone's different, but you want to make sure you know when the anesthesiologist is around if you choose to have that because the timing, a 45-minute wait for an anesthesiologist when you're in active labor is beyond anything you can ever describe. The t- and so make sure you have a conversation with whoever you're working with of like, okay, I, I need to get one. And even for you, if you decide to go to the hospital to get one, uh, that you have to think of that and the timing of it and then how you can move and, and even consciously get it because – when you're having labor and when you you go into an alternative universe, your own universe, and it's almost like you may feel like you're alone and you may feel like you need to be alone, like actually be alone in a room and to work it out yourself. And so it's all, it, it, the best kind of birth workers I find are very quiet ones. Um, like if your husband, like less talking more presence. I mean, men are good at that. Um, <laughs> even when <laughs> they naturally just do that. Right. But it's sort of just yeah. like that grounded presence, like just somebody's there and it's super slow and quiet. Um, that seems to be like, if you're choosing a doula, right. And somebody's listening, you're choosing a doula, somebody like that, somebody who's grounded, somebody who's calm, somebody who can make decisions without reaction. And even with, so this is, um, this is another thing, Chelsea, I, did have a doula so I, do, I have a doula so um she's been with me since 12 weeks pregnant I would say we're talking since then um and you're only allowed one birth partner now and um, so so she can come postpartum so she can still pay her and it's actually better to have her come postpartum 
Is it, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Less, what, you mean less people around in the... Well, I mean, for your situation, it's like, it's great to have someone in the birth, but you're going to be with midwives and you're going to have your husband there. So let's look at the bonus of that. Some people around the earth right now can't even have their husband in the room. In America, they're not even allowed to bring their husband in, and they're having a really hard time with that. So let's just thank God you can bring your husband in in UK, right? Second, um, postpartum is much harder than anyone ever recognizes, and nor do people plan for the level of the heaviness of a postpartum. And I think it's actually what should be planned for. The birth is like take your classes, do your thing, but you can't even expect what may happen. You can't even anticipate the level of exhaustion and work a birth takes. But like the postpartum is like having somebody care for you and doing the Ayurvedic cooking from Mystical Motherhood, the book, using that recipe in there under that recipe for four to four to 10 days will change you. Your whole metabolism, the baby's milk, eating just that. I swear to God, you'll feel so nourished and so healthy. You'll be able to recover And so what you have to remember is the 40 days postpartum are equal to 40 years of your health and 40 years of your life. Uh I will repeat, 40 days postpartum are equal to 40 years of your life. So there are women who get back into working out those 40 days. There are women that separate from the baby those 40 days. Do not do that. If you're going to think of how do I create the base needs, which is what Mystical Motherhood, my book's all about, the first book, um... And create the so the, the base chakra system of the child is created within those forty days postpartum. The baby cannot be separated by you from you. I mean, it's with you and husband. Don't let a bunch of other people come over and hold the baby. Don't. It's if mom, dad, nanny, anybody. It's your baby. Forty days. Just promise yourself that, and that's a big boundary because that baby needs to know your smell. And needs to know your eyes and and dad's eyes, right? Everybody else, that's their own selfish stuff. And then they can come close if your mom wants to come lay in the bed with you. But you just stay by that baby. And the yogis say not to separate the baby from you for, for nine feet. So never farther than nine feet. So that's really halfway, not even halfway across the room. Uh, okay. So it's, yeah, super powerful because they have to stay in your aura. And after birth, your aura actually expands. A typical human aura is three feet, and then it can, the largest is, it can expand is nine feet. Is that after birth? I, I don't know why they say nine feet. I don't know if there's like, but Yogi Bhajan said nine feet, and so I wouldn't do it. And I, I didn't know this at first, but after all the research I've done and all the classes I've taken and everything, is I just wouldn't mess with it. It's 40 days. Just do it. And then after that, who cares? Go back to work. Do your thing. But just secure that. And I can tell you my baby was so good. And I have very intelligent kids now. I don't know what the heck I did. But, man, they're smart. (laughs) And they're advanced and they're psychic. The one I did this with, the one I meditated with Kundalini, my child, my second child, that I actually did Kundalini throughout the pregnancy, not as much as I even do now, but a little bit a day. And I did like one class a week. And I played the mantras after her birth. And I did the Ayurvedic diet and I did the 40 days postpartum. She's a psychic. The kid is psychic. She says things to me that are out of this world. And I'm like, you're a living legend. But it's not me. It's the meditations I did and the type of child she is. Yeah. Yeah. My first child's intuitive, but not to the level of psychic that the second child is. 
I mean, maybe they'll both be the same, but everybody has their own gift. Question. Yes, I've been doing, I've been doing a bit of meditation. Um, probably not as much as you, as you want me to be doing. I know I want you to be doing um, so much right now is the most potent period too. So right now you really? can do the most I've got clearing. A month to go. the, the, the between seven and nine months is the most important period. Okay. Yes, I've been doing more like morning meditation. I've been doing the um, Adi the Adi Shakti. Shakti. Yeah, that's it. Um, and just generally like trying to breathe and like rest my mind. Um, but yeah, all, all my so I was doing yoga classes as well, but obviously they've all been cancelled. Um, so yeah, trying to do it on my own, which is fine. I can do it, um, but it always helps when I was like with people. Yeah. Um, do you know where to go online to do it? Uh, is this your Ra- Rama? You could do it on Rama TV. Yeah. Um, there's a great teacher named Tej at Nine Treasures Yoga that does amazing classes. Some of the best I've okay. ever had in my life. Nine. Anyone who's listening, Tej from Nine Treasures Yoga. And she's teaching at 9 a.m. Pacific time in California. But I think you can get the replay for these classes. And the energy through the classes is significant and transformative. Rama TV is another kundalini yoga that we can do at home that is always having great stuff come out. And it's really good for when you're pregnant. While you're waiting for this baby to come, the best thing you can do is walk five miles a day. Five miles? Yes. Five miles. It's not that hard. It's 10,000 steps. And it will get... If you do kundalini yoga for the next four weeks, like two times a week, and you begin to walk three to five miles a day, and you... So the Japanese do 500 squats, okay? So let's just... We just... This is the most. I'm I'm always going to give you the hardcore stuff, right? (laughs) So let's just say Japanese do 500 squats. The yogis walk five miles, and um, I push you to meditate 30 minutes, right? So minimum. <laughs> so I don't also don't want you to hurt yourself, but these are all gentle. I would say, you know, you're doing this very gently and very slowly. The five miles could, you know, take two, three hours. But there's a meditation you can do with your husband where you hold hands and with each step you step in in, in conjunction with each other. So your steps are moving together. So left goes first, then right foot, then left foot, then right foot. And with each step you go wahe guru, wahe guru, wahe guru in your head. You're just sort of like in your breathing and you can talk too, but then when you're not talking and you're in silence, each step is a, is a mantra. And that is a, is a walking meditation for when you're pregnant with your husband so that the husband, you two begin to create like the third unity field with the baby. Okay. Yeah. So I'd love to do that. So write that down. So you, again, you hold his hand and anybody who's listening, you can do this in general with your partner. Um, one foot left, wahe, right foot, wahe, guru, wahe, guru, wahe, guru, W-A-H-E, and the new word guru, G-U-R-U, and you're holding hands and, and you're just kind of in a meditative walk. So everyone right now who's like lovingly walking in this um, coronavirus experience can hmm. do that walking meditation with your partner and you don't even need to tell your partner. <laughs> You can do it. What's so amazing yeah, about relationships is only one person has to do the work. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely like to do that. Although I do, I am finding it difficult to walk very, I can walk 
far, I guess, but I can't walk fast. So maybe this would be Yeah, a good you thing just to walk. Do. I'm not telling you to run a marathon at all. I'm telling you yeah. to walk because you'll have an easier birth. Because it's the stamina, and I'm telling you to do these things because the stamina of a natural birth is like a marathon. And, and it is, and, and so it's like, you've got to get in the mindset of, of like almost like a warrior mindset. I'm going to have a natural birth. It's not like a, I'm going to have one. It's like, no, this is really intense. <laughs> and you, I'm not going to tell you it's easy. It's hard. The first birth is not as easy as the, as the second one. It's your body, your hips are going to open. You may feel at a period that your body is splitting. Your body's not splitting but your bones are, are, are opening. You may feel like your bones are cracking. They're not cracking. So remember when you're in labor and you're going to say, Chelsea told me I'm not breaking in half. Does this make sense? Cause you're, yeah, no, you know, I've heard so many people say that it did feel like they were breaking. And you'll feel like you, you literally feel like you're splitting because what happens is you're so high. You're so high. You have so much adrenaline going, so much endorphin, so much your, your aura is opening cause you're letting a child into this world. There's so many things happening. You have angels all around you, right? And this child's coming through, and we know that this child is from Planet Sirius, right? We do know this, and from you know, the, the lineage of the Egyptians and from uh, Isis. So you can create your temple space with Isis there and Grandpa there, and and that's real. And so you call in Isis, and you call in the goddess Isis, the original birther. You call in Hathor. You call in the ancient Egyptians and the protectors. You call in the ascended masters, Mary Magdalene, Green Tara, and you make it real. Like, I'm giving birth. And this is happening right now. This is a saint. Help me. And then it's like, you're not just leaning on your husband. It's like, you have to remember that there's another world, a subtle world that's just as powerful as this world. But you can't take this. I'm, I'm going to birth coach you like crazy. You can't take this lightly. I'm not like, I'm not a doula. But I would be like yeah. I would be like a boot camp person and telling you <laughs> if you want a natural birth, you have to take it like a, a training session. Mm. And you and you have to get like a little bit like, okay, I'm prepping my mind, body, and spirit fully in the next four weeks to release this. And and in the birth will be easier if you walk. The birth will be easier if you squat. And in the squatting so you mean when squats just normal squats. Yeah, and if it's too hard, so the Japanese do it against the wall. So, okay. and this was taught to me by Ina May Gaskin, who I trained with. And she said, the Japanese do 500 squats, the, the, the good birthers at home. Kundalini yoga helps you give birth quickly because you've got energy running through you. Uh, you know, your, your body's getting ready. I've never heard a Kundalini yogi practitioner that had a difficult birth. Do you think that's because of the breathing as well? I think it's because it, it aligns all the 10 bodies. It aligns your endocrine system. It aligns your your body, mind, and soul. Your, your Just your whole system is, is ready. And then the breathing, I mean, it has, Kundalini has everything in it, every facet of every yoga. So it's not only do you get fit with it, but your, your meditations get you ready. Um, I don't know why. I mean, on a logical level, I can't tell you, but on... What I've studied level, those are the things I'd say. And on a spiritual level, I could just say, well, you've got energy running through you. And it takes energy to give birth. So then when you're in labor, so this is another thing that I've been thinking. Obviously, I've visualized being at home for months, like, well, eight months now. So I'm finding it a bit tricky getting my head around and not being in my own environment. 
when I'm not when I give birth. So like, how do you when you're in that moment and you're not in the the environment you thought you would be in? How do you make sure you focus and remember all of these things? Because I'm just worried that I'll I'll get to labour, I'll get I'll get to the birthing centre, not feel like fully prepared to be there and panic and it all goes wrong. Well, I think that this is a normal birth problem for every woman. And no matter where they're giving birth, I mean, this is something I don't think we can make go away because it's our natural inclination to want to protect ourselves. And we all have an idea of how it will happen. And it never happens that way. Not one of my births happened that way. Like I thought I was going to have a beautiful water birth with Sage. I birthed, I had a labor so quickly, we couldn't even get the water into the pool that I rented. I mean, and it was cold and I was like in a tripping zone. I was a disaster. I wasn't pretty. I thought I was going to look beautiful. And like, I was going to be an elegant goddess. I was, it was so heavy and I was so gross. And it was, you know, it was like, and it was so painful. I, and I thought I had taught myself to relax my muscles enough I was so in pain in every single muscle group for the next week, I thought I got hit by a freight train. Because rather than relaxing, even though I had done the Bradley method and walked and done everything, I I fought every contraction. And so I every contraction I um I tensed up. So the best advice I can give to you is is it's not about the environment, it's about what's happening within the body. And so it's more like I know we, we think it's an external experience. It's an internal experience. And so I'm going to encourage you to not flip it on what you're looking at on the outside to start to experience what it will feel like on the inside. And then that's going to flip your idea of what is about to occur. Because no matter what environment you're in, it's your body that's having the experience. The environment doesn't matter. If you're, no, I never thought of it like that. If your body, if you have the mind, body, soul control and execution like a yogi. So a lot of people, this is the exact same thing with the coronavirus. We have an external world that's going absolutely nuts. But if you have you know, a neutral mind, a solid foundation, a balanced endocrine system, you are not, I am not affected by it like the way anyone else is that I know of. And so I'm not having the same experience as, as the typical population right now. And so you have to look at it almost the same way as home birth is that's why this yoga is important. That's why the walking is important. That's why it's like, it's like, how do you approach life? And so, okay, so if the external environment can't affect you, which it always does for most people, and I get that walking into any environment that's scary, walking out there where everyone's afraid in New York, and everyone's wearing masks and gloves. It's scary out there, but it's just like, yeah, my internal system's so strong, I can get through this. And so if we can get you to not focus on what you're looking at on the outside and actually go more internal during the birth, you won't get so shocked and you'll remember these words I'm telling you. Okay. And so the most important things when you're going into the birth is you're going to relax your muscles. And you're going to play music that makes you relax that you won't even be able to hear because you'll be so high. <laughs> but it'll help your husband, you know. Um, and you're going to make sure he tells you to relax your muscles. And you're going to make sure that he doesn't get too nervous. A lot of husbands um, get nervous and they actually don't time the contractions properly. So they're, they're so nervous that they forget to time the contractions and then they don't know how active you are. 
So it's like he just needs to focus on making you calm and making your muscles relax, providing you a warm and comfortable environment with water. So three basic things. And um, making sure he's timing your contractions to get you to the birth center at the proper time and not bringing him it, him, you into his fear. Okay, that's good. Those are his three main things to do. He supports and his, his, and his groundedness, and it's just like the male-female relationship. You know, he needs to be fully grounded in his energy, like, like a, like a rock, super, super grounded so that your chaos as the feminine can just go crazy. And it's sort of like the universal, you know, when the cosmos are born, something has to be there like Shiva and Shakti. Shiva's got to hold Shakti. So Shakti can go, right? That's the energy. And he just stays in that. No reaction. Nothing. Nothing can nothing can waver him. Nothing can make him scared because once he reflects back the scaredness, then you get scared. And so you have to yeah, remind him of that. He's he's very good at being grounding me. I would say. Um, so hopefully that will that will help us in in birth during labour. Yeah. And then you remember your internal environment is what matters. So start to focus on that. Like, how are you going to breathe? How are you going to remind yourself to relax? You could even begin to do, I found as a labor and delivery nurse, people really did well with hypnobirthing. They did so well. I don't know why hypnobirthing made everybody fine, but like I would, hypnobirthers were like, don't touch me, leave me alone. I'm fine. And they, and I would just leave the room. Like they were almost as good as an epidural. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but the hypnobirthing has been really useful, actually. But it's just the, um, it's like making you feel you're in control. So like controlling your breathing um, one way when you're in between contractions and then breathing a different way when you're in contractions and just always remembering like certain words and phrases that help you get through it. Yes. So that's an internal thing. Again, it's like what you said. I never really thought of it like that. Yeah, but I just flipped your mindset. It's just a flipping yeah. your mindset of a neutrality. It doesn't so because because our, our 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 body, our ego always looks to the external environment, and this is a very internal yeah. process. So don't get triggered by it. And may you may have to go to the birth center and look again and look at the room. Just like I just need to see this so I don't get triggered when I come. Yeah, and birth centers tend to be more look a little homey, homier looking. They are, yeah, very much so. It, it, yeah, it's more of um, it looks like you know your your grandparents' living room when you go in. Yeah, here anyway in the UK. <laughs> One thing that's really nice to set up, and I put this in my on my first book, Mystical Motherhood, which is available on Amazon, and all of this information is also available on Mystical Motherhood and on my website at mysticalmotherhood.com. But one thing to get for your home is a crock pot. And then you're going to get some herbs for your perineum. And, and the herbs are, the crock pot's hot, so you have to put it somewhere safe. So if you're at home and you have a toddler, don't do this unless the toddler um, can stay away from the crock pot. Because you put the crock pot in the bathroom. You can put and set it all up before you go into labor. I would even have all this stuff ready now and have it in a room, like a birth room. Because then you're basically having your postpartum experience as planned at home. So the things that you're going to need is a huge, a huge canister for tea next to your bed. You're going, and this is all in my book. You're going to need like a snack pack by the side of your door for, because if you're going to do the 40 days, you've got to think it's very great that we're in um, isolation right now because you just get to do that. But 
it's so snuggly. And so you're basically creating a really snuggly womb environment for you and the baby to heal. You need to have almond oil or sesame oil to rub the baby with so you can have warm Ayurvedic rubs. Um, if you we weren't in the COVID crisis or coronavirus crisis, I would say you'd have somebody come over and give you hot massages. And I know that sounds crazily expensive, but I cannot tell you how important it is postpartum for your own care and your own self-love. It's almost more important than having before you have a baby. You need to, so the, the, the huge container of tea at the side of your bed, and I, and I put the recipe in Mystical Motherhood, I think it's fennel and cardamom or something. Fennel really helps with breast milk. You just actually pour fennel into the water. And there's one more herb, um, but that's in my book. Then in the room, some mantras you can play for the baby after they're born is one is Japji, J-A-P-J-I. J-A-P-J-I. Yeah, and a call, A-K-A-L, during the birth. A call brings, it, it, it helps release souls and, and brings souls in the world. During the birth, did you say? Yeah, and after. Yeah. And Japji is the sound of, like, the highest sound of God. And so playing that afterbirth is what's recommended as a, as a mantra, as a very long prayer. Mm. Let me think what else. Puta Matakia. P-O-O-T-A. New word. P-O-O-T-A. Puta. Mata. M-A-T-A. Kia. K-I-A is another mantra that's beautiful for like a mother and the baby. Extending your meditation, if you want to do that meditation longer, would be really beautiful. Playing the, the mantra Rogante is another one to protect the baby and the embryo as it grows. Um, what else, other things postpartum? Make sure you have a, a container to hold the baby in. Like, so you want to always, I want you to read the bonding section of my Mystical Motherhood book. And over again, and I want you to read the end. The end of it. I want you to read about the sound, um, the sound current after the baby's born. So the baby is held within like a sound bubble, and so loud sounds are not okay for a baby. No loud TVs, no violence, nothing that's going to penetrate that sound system. So they're almost like you know how birds react to sound, or how really high energy frequencies react to. It's, it's like a sound current and loud noises scare a dog and those kind of things. You've got to think of the baby in this sound bubble. And I have a, I don't, I'm not giving it the accurate or um, the best interpretation or description right now because I don't have my book open. But I want you to read um, the, that chapter in my book, Mystical Motherhood, about the sound bubble after the baby's born and how important it is and how important these mantras are. And it's really the tone of your voice that matters with the child, not what you're saying. The tone, they hear, only hear tones. They, and then from that tone, are you expressing a, a um, tone of love? Are you showing them a tone of love with your voice? Is your sound current carry love in it? And then that's how they react and learn. And, and making sure that you wrap the baby and keep the baby on you at all times. Ancient tribes would have the baby at the level of the eyes. So the, the baby, in order, you have to consider that the baby is a full-blown soul, a high soul from planet Sirius, let's say, wherever planet your baby's from. And that soul is in a small body. 
And so you, the soul could be much older than you. So treating this soul with um, respect and just because it's a baby doesn't mean it's a baby. And so this soul could be 25,000 incarnations ahead of you. So honoring that. And I never talk to my children in baby talk. Not one time. Maybe I was like, cuckoo a little bit, but like they would be basically probably flip me off, you know? And so <laughs> I would, I've always talked to them like adults. I'm like, I'm going to change your diaper. It's happening. That's it. It's got to happen. Yeah. Right. And then, <laughs> and I tell them why. And I, and I'm like, because you're going to become messy and it's not like I baby talk them. Right. And so when I kiss them, I love them, but it's, and they have been, they're articulate because of that. Also, um, when you're holding the baby on your chest in a, in a carrier. So having a really good carrier, I wouldn't even get the, the hippie kind. I'd get like the black ones with the straps and the thing. <laughs> yeah. And the infant carrier is, is essential. Absolutely essential because it also will help the baby's um, stomach muscles and legs to work harder to hold itself up. And they, they think that the babies who are held in carriers are not wrapped up all the time. So all the wrapping of the babies, they think that those babies walk faster. And I can tell okay. you with my babies, I didn't wrap them like everyone told me to do because they didn't want to be wrapped. And I carried them in the carriers and they both started walking at nine months. Okay. Not that that's a good thing. I'm just saying, I think it's because their stomach muscles were strong because they had to, because what happens is in the field, in the ancient fields, when women were um, picking corn or moving around, they had to move the same muscles as their parents because the mom would carry the baby. So we don't do that anymore with our kids. We don't go out and work with them, right? But those children gained muscles that we never gained quicker. Does this make sense? So when they're carried yeah, on the back or they're carried yeah. on the stomach, yeah. they they had to use their muscles in order to move with their mother. And as a result of that, they gained muscles that were un, unusual for children and they had longer, you know, they ran faster, they had better muscle, you know, use. Yeah, so interesting. It so is. Interesting. It's all, I have so much more information. And all of this, again, is available in my first book, Mystical Motherhood. And if you're thinking about having a baby, go to Fertile, which is an amazing book. And I've read both. Did you like them? What did you learn from them for other people to listen to? Oh, so much. Like, Mystical Motherhood, um, it's almost like the journey from even before you started thinking about children. And so I, you gave me a copy of that in August, July, August, August, and and I'd already kind of been on a bit of a journey with finding out about um, contraception and um, nutrients that you needed, like mindset you need to be in. Um, so it just it just furthered my learning, I think. Um, and then, obviously, after that, there was all the other all the other bits that you included about um, baby coming, like postpartum care. Um, so much, just learned so much just made me look at things in a completely different way yeah good that's what I aim to um, do and then fertile um, just blew my mind really in terms of other things just a whole different dimension of, of ideas theories um, pulled in so many other different concepts it just yeah just completely broadened my my 
learning and understanding of the whole of the whole subject really good do you feel like you're a little less fearful right now and a little bit more prepared for the next two months yeah definitely just looking at it from a view of being internal rather than external yes that's huge and so you're just going to go i just never thought of it like that and you need to go in internal right now so it starts now and, I, and it's almost like slowing down on work and taking the time to just go off into nature is very important. Uh, going on those walks, I can't tell you how important it is. Uh, just because it's just going to prep you and get you really quiet. Especially yeah. in that countryside there. And, and if you need to focus on the external, put yourself in that room. You're an astral being. You can absolutely do that. If you can't meditate more, play more <laughs> mantras. Just replace the mm-hmm. just replace the time with playing mantras in the background. Do the same thing. Yeah, that's uh, a good idea. begin to have conversations with the baby. So you're going to say, "This is how we're going to do it. This is what's going to happen. You need to communicate when you're coming. I need to know ahead of time. Tell me when to stop working. Tell me who not to be around. Tell me who you like. What you want me to eat. I would reread the end of Mystical Motherhood." Um, because yeah, I'm going to do that. I've, I've written that down. Yeah, it will really to-do. help you. And then I want you yeah. to just call me if you have any questions. I will do. I will do, definitely. And ho- hopefully it all goes not to plan. I don't want to say that, but hopefully it just goes to plan. <laughs> um, yeah, you can, but you can't, like, if you're training like this and you have no issues, we're just going to pray that everything works. But, I mean, there's always things that happen, yeah. but... The less yeah. interventions you have, the hopefully the less chances of anything going wrong. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so insightful. Thanks, Chelsea. You're welcome. You excited? Yeah, I'm so excited. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, please hurry up. I want to meet you. And just on that, like, talking to, talking to babies, I feel like I've been doing that since, like, I found out, really. Yeah. Um, but then you listen to the responses now. So now it's yeah. time to start to listen to responses and not to question that that's the baby talking. So with intuition and when I, so if I'm reading somebody, it's my first intuition. It's my first knowing. It's my first, you know, it's the first answer. What did you say? Sorry, it's your client. first answer when the baby's responding to you. It's your, it's the first thing. You oh, hear. oh, right. Yeah. Your gut. Yeah. Your instinct. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, you. I know. I'm excited for you. I'm just so excited. Good. I just sort of can't wait to see what she looks like, her personality. I know. That's um, what the fun part is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. See how she's doing. We had a, we had a scan. Um, when was it? Uh, about two weeks ago. And the midwife was like, oh, my God, look at all that hair. Oh, so much hair. <laughs> she had a halo of hair around her. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah, very exciting. Just can't wait. We we're saying we keep on saying to each other, well, it's just going to be our little ray of light in all this like doom and gloom at the moment. Oh no, they all these babies are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't poor thing. She doesn't know what she's in. What kind of world she's entering. Did you learn? Do you learn? Did you write all that down that we just talked about? Write everything down. Okay. Yeah. Good. Nice. Okay. I love you. I'm sending you love. Okay. Okay. Sending you all the way back. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.
I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please, please leave a star review, leave a little note, share this on social media, tell your friends. You can find my books, both Mystical Motherhood and Fertile on Amazon, printed under my name, Pritam Atma, or you can go to www.mysticalmotherhood.com. If you are in need of help, a reading, a healing advice, or you have questions, please reach out to me at www.mysticalmotherhood.com or mysticalmotherhood at gmail.com. I'm here to help you and help everybody get through this. Uh, Have a nice and beautiful day and I'll see you again soon.